Daddy wants you to know a lot of the episodes have mostly clean language, but this episode has some words in it that aren't meant for all ages. So, if you have kids like me in your house, you may want to put some headphones on for this one. You've been warned. Done, done, done. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Daddy Unscripted Podcast. I am Tim Wheaton. I am the creator and host of the podcast. And I'm very excited to be sitting down with Ryan Stasek of Umphreys McGee for this episode today. Ryan and I uh, go back in time a handful of years. Umphreys McGee is a fantastic band out of Chicago, which you should be listening to if you are not. I started listening to them back, I believe, in 2001 and went to my first Umphreys McGee show in probably 2004, I believe it was. And before one of the shows locally here in the Los Angeles area, I just started talking about whatever with Ryan and with him and my wife. And I think my brother may have been there talking with us as well. And I don't know if you all know this, but I also do photography and I do concert photography. And I started taking photos of them at their local shows and started doing it just on behalf of the band, talking with the manager. And so one show, specifically when I was back in the day when I had my curly mustachio, I was shooting one of their shows and was down in the pit. And Ryan kept uh, making this little gesture to me about my mustache and that he basically approved of it. And I'm not saying that we didn't talk about that really we should have talked about that in this episode we did not but it wasn't much longer after that that ryan himself had an awesome handlebar mustache and we would talk with each other yes we were grown men talking to each other over text about what wax are you using for your mustache and what products are you using etc and so we started kind of bonding over that and then there was a photo shoot which i used for my artwork for this episode on Facebook and Twitter and all social media that I ended up getting some clothing from Beta Brand, which I did a lot of product photos for, which they are still not yet a sponsor, but you guys should be a sponsor. And Ryan and I did a photo shoot for Beta Brand with our mustaches. Uh, And some of them we were wearing our sports team's hats because that seemed fitting because we are such big sports fanatics. He for the Pittsburgh teams and the Pirates specifically in baseball and me for the Boston Red Sox. And that photo was on the beta brand delivery truck up in San Francisco Bay Area for the course of that year, which is pretty awesome. So Ryan and I have always kind of talked here and there. And when he had his daughter three a little over three years ago now, I was very excited for him and for that new journey that he was going to be taking So when I started this podcast, he was like one of the first people that jumped into my mind. I would love to have Ryan on, obviously, because he and I have a lot of things in common and we get along really well, but also for the obvious reason of, hey, maybe this will get some listenership into the podcast, etc. Some other listeners that wouldn't normally be listening into this. So I was very excited when he was so gracious to approve of doing that and give some of his time up. So this is our sit down discussion about being dads and what that kind of means for him and what his relationship was and is with his father as well. And I hope that you guys get a lot out of this and that you enjoy it because it's basically two guys talking very loosely about those subjects. So Uh, With no further ado, here is myself with Ryan Stasek. Welcome everybody to the Daddy Unscripted podcast. Today I'm very excited to be sitting down remotely with Ryan Stasek, bassist extraordinaire from Humphreys McGee which you may or may not be listening to, and if you aren't, you should be. Uh, Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, Ryan, 
Well, I'll, I'll tell a little more about our history, but we've known each other for a handful of years now. And um, I will say right here, I, I'm very appreciative of your support and um, always being open to lending a helping hand to me, whether it's recording this or shooting photo shoots of, with uh, men's clothing, whatever it may be. Sounds sexy. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, uh, my contact with MeUndies ended fairly quickly, or I would have been sending you even more awkward requests. And you, and you know what? I do shameful plug, but the best underwear I've ever worn, and my wife and I can match, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's true. And uh, I, for that, when I had that very brief time with them, my friends and I, we went on our annual man trip and MeUndies gave us a bunch of underwear to bring along on the trip and do like some video and photo shoot and everything. And everybody was basically clamoring over taking home some of the underwear because it really is the most amazing underwear. So I just ended any possible uh, sponsorships from other underwear companies, but hopefully maybe MeUndies will pick me up now. Yeah. And I actually didn't know you were going to open with a, with an underwear there. I thought we were going to do more of a, a mustache pun, you know, because I've known you for a, a handlebar full of years. Ah, uh, yes. Very true. I, I said to my wife yesterday, I said, I wish I had gotten screenshots or something from the Pirates game that you were at, uh, which was a Cubs-Pirates game. Uh, it could have been. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. For 12 years, no matter who the Cubs were playing, I wore black and gold full of pirates gear yeah to Wrigley I think it was a Cubs Pirates game and you were you were on we were watching the game and you were there in the stands and the guys like panned over to you I think it was the Pirates broadcast and uh they talked about your it fancy was mustache it was actually Bob Walk because uh my family was watching Root Sports Pittsburgh and and he liked the old time look I had the throwback hat from the 70s and I had the uh Clemente yellow jersey and then that's the best part of of being at Wrigley is is uh you know they're 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 really good fans but if you if you love baseball and you understand baseball and you respect 2-1 nobody's making fun of that jersey so you can wear that any any ballpark and 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 it deserves respect yeah agreed so Ryan has a how old is your daughter now my daughter Amelia just turned three on July 11th okay Happy belated birthday to to her. She is ridiculously adorable. I mean, I feel lame saying adorable as a grown man, but she's that is what she is. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So Ryan has been a dad for a little over three years. And I remember, I guess you were, no, when we did the mustache photo, I think it was the year before that. Um, but I think we sat and talked at some point shortly before and uh, you were probably brushing me off, but I was saying, you know, if, if people haven't told you about being a dad and uh, I think Brendan was already a dad in the band at that point. And Jake. Oh, and Jake. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm sure you get plenty of seeing all the kids and, and now is it just still the three of you that have kids? Uh, in the band, yes, the three of us. So both guitar players have three. I have one. But with the crew and management and uh, and all of uh, Team Umphreys, I think we have 16 children. Wow. And 15 of them between the ages zero and five. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. It's incredible. So I was uh, in the car yesterday driving back from uh, taking my daughter swimming, and I listened to a lot of comedy. And Paul F. Tompkins, I don't know if you're familiar, another mustache comedian oh yeah uh, is doing a great bit about um dads he's like i'm at that age now where a lot of my friends are are dads and they're firstborn and and he's he's like and here's the conversation that i've heard a million times it must come from the doctors after you get the baby that this is what you're supposed to tell them and it's like you know man i was holding my son and i'm looking in his eyes and i just i never thought i could love something this much I mean, I created this. I made this. And I was dying because that is the conversation that every dad and every first child that, that you have with your friends and you're just telling. It's, it's funny to hear the response from those who aren't fathers yet. Right, yeah. And get the textbook, 
you can't believe that you could love this much. But you know, as cliche as it is and stuff, it's 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 so true. It really totally. is. I I remember way before I had kids uh, talking with a friend of mine who had a boy and he was, I think his son who just started college this year was probably at least six when he had his little girl. And I remember him saying as much as that cliche is like, I love my son. My son is my little buddy and he's amazing. And and all of that. But when I had my daughter, it was exponentially, I mean, it just blew me away how much more I could love another little human being because for a little girl, a dad's love is just, it's not like with your son. Yeah. So you're starting out, you know, you've expanded your heart. What are you going to do now? So let's go back into the troves into your history with uh, your own dad. And for you, if that means kind of going into what his childhood at all or anything like that, by all means, go ahead and do that. But yeah, tell us about you and your dad. Well, my dad, Randy Stasek, was born in 1951 in Pittsburgh. Actually, no, that's not true. He was born in Angola, Indiana. So he was a Hoosier. Oh, He's the oldest of five. They moved to Pittsburgh I think within his first year or first two years of his life. So he basically grew up with all of his other siblings in Pittsburgh, which is where I grew up as well until I was 12. And uh, growing up where every one of your family members, and we have a large family. My dad's the oldest of five. My mom's the middle of three, um, countless cousins and, and uncles and aunts. So growing up in Pittsburgh is a hardcore blue collar steel workers town where people love Pittsburgh sports and you bleed black and gold. So from a very young age, my dad told me, I don't remember two or three, but he used to, to, to help me go to sleep. I could name every Pittsburgh pirate and every starting defenseman and offenseman for, uh, for the, for the Steelers at two and three. When I was first learning to talk, yeah, um, I can only imagine how proud that made him as uh, I've done the same here with with my daughter mm-hmm. as we sit and watch uh, the Pirates or, or Steelers games. And she, and she loves hockey, which is great. So hearing a, an adorable two-year-old try to say, you know, Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's hilarious, or Gregory Polanco. So I've done the same thing with my child, and there's, there's definitely the, uh, those great, that brought great memories back to me and, and our love for, uh, for Pittsburgh together. And um, my dad and mom married... I was the first born. I have a younger sister. Um, very, very close relationship. My dad was a hardworking, hardworking man, but I'm um, extremely close with both of them and my sister. They just celebrated their 43rd wedding anniversary. And, uh, you know, being in a band with six other guys, I see the relationships they have with their parents. And uh, my, I'm going to have to say, like, my, my relationship with my parents is pretty unique because we're, we're almost... We have the mother-father-son uh, relationship, but we also have a best-friend relationship. I mean, my mom is a stand-up comedian on the side. Oh. You can only imagine the filter that happens with uh, someone who's trying to be a stand-up comedian. And my dad on the other side is, 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 is uh, he's not a stand-up comedian, but he's, he's a very, <laughs> very patient, very, very kind man with a big heart. For, and, you know, another cliche saying, which I, which I mean all the time, if I could be half the man that he is, I'm going to be an excellent, successful individual. But growing up, one of my fondest memories of my dad in Pittsburgh before he left is him taking me to Pirates games and us leaving before uh, the innings and, and me putting my head down on like the, the headrest in the front seat. Nobody had car seats back then. Yeah. And listening, listening to the baseball game and, uh, you know, on AM, so it's scratchy radio and falling asleep and, uh, you know, just having that love for Pittsburgh and, and that bond with my dad, there's nothing like a bond with your, with your, with your pops playing catch or seeing baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. I kind of had that upbringing from my dad and had that connection. And I've talked with somebody about it before that really like it man to man as well. Like sports is just kind of one of those things where, you know, you could be wearing your just your pirates hat and uh, you could be in a grocery store and I'm sure you could start up a 30 minute conversation if you were to run into a 
fellow Pirates fan. Absolutely. And it, it happens. I, I, you know me well. I'm, 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 uh, I'm not shy or not one to back off from starting conversation. Yeah. We're talking. So it happens all the time. And, and I, it, it happens even more with Pittsburgh because I think the exodus from the 80s of all the people that were in Pittsburgh that moved away and all the Super Bowls and, and the World Series, there's so many Pittsburgh fans all over the country. Mm-hmm. Being in a touring rock and roll band, I mean, I have an app, Steeler Nation app, that tells me a Steelers bar in every city that we stop in. That's and amazing. amazing. And I can find people who uh, who are from Pittsburgh. You have that common that common bond, and, and, and you sit down, and you already have a certain uh, a conversation starter and a likability to talk about all the damn championships we've won. <laughs> yeah. So when did you when did you and your family move out of Pittsburgh? Okay, so I my dad took a, a, a job in Kalamazoo, Michigan in 1988 and that was the first time where i really uh understood the significance of my family and my extended family because then all of a sudden it was me and my sister who's a year and a half younger than me and we move up to kalamazoo and we don't know anybody there's no more going to grandma's after school going to your cousins uh your aunt picking you up you're going to the pool all that was gone and it was just my sister and i isolated with my folks trying to make new friends and uh you know begin middle school and high school which is you know that's a tough period for adolescence yeah without even that not, yeah yeah just making the move and of course we went back to pittsburgh as much as possible to see the family so we made a lot of family car trips which i mean i could do a whole podcast just on car trips with my dad you know locking windows and all that fun stuff but um this is when i when a when a, a big bond between my father and i happened is when him being the oldest of five uh, his father got cancer my grandpap mm. and that happened when i was uh accepted to notre dame where my dad also went so a little legacy there oh yeah so there's a lot of a lot of pride with uh, my grandfather being a grandfather of notre dame he didn't go there but my dad and i going there coming home my dad was extremely close with his family, being the oldest of five. And when he got sick, I remember seeing my dad uh, break down because there's nothing. You, it's a really eye opener when you come home and you, and you see your dad, you know, wiping his dad's butt. Yeah. And, you know, 40 years before that or, or 30 or whatever, he was doing that for him and it had come full cycle. Yeah. And I was, only, I was only 18. And I was like, wow, talk about kind of an eye opener and. And, a, and an understanding for that, that dad connection. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, no, no tears yet, but that's, that's a, that was a tough one for me to, to see going back. And I just had a whole other um, found respect for my dad and then our relationship and our bond and our friendship. And, uh, you know, that grew as I was in college and I stopped uh, coming home as much because I was, you know, I was starting a band and I lived in, uh, I lived in South Bend and I did, I did summer school and, and I, I had a band, so I didn't come home as much. But that relationship with my father and my mother never, never became worse or lessened. It just we just grew stronger, even though I wasn't uh, living at home anymore. Yeah, that's that's crazy. My my dad died of cancer when I was just before I turned eighteen years old, and it was um, that summer after my senior year. He was home when it was really it. Stuff. It was it was basically he didn't get diagnosed until early summer that year and he died in November. So it was like mm. incredibly fast. But I had that experience like he went through um, some treatment that was basically out of out of Mexico that was from Germany originally, which Ronald Reagan had uh, been successful with. And so. Oh, wow. My dad didn't really want to do the whole radiation therapy, chemotherapy, anything like that. And he was like, oh, I'll give this a shot. And they had a place down in Mexico, which isn't that far from us. And he went down there and basically lived in a hotel across the border for uh, maybe about a month or so with my mom and would just take a shuttle um, across the border into Mexico and do the treatments every day and come back. And um, he got so sick while he was down there, he came back up and... I mean, I had that experience of bathing, putting on deodorant for him, doing, you know, wiping his butt, like doing all yeah. of that. And it was crazy. I mean, the like you could just see the humility 
of that experience for him, like probably thinking that very easy idea of I used to wipe your diapers or wipe you and clean your diapers. And this is not the way this should be. And whatever. I just, I can't even imagine how difficult that was for him. So. And even, even different generations, uh, for your grandfather, your father, totally. my grandfather, or my father. I mean, uh, my dad's very lucky right now in very good health and um, expect him to be around for, for a long time. But I feel our generations of us being fathers in the world that we live in now, you know, it's you're not grown up to be a masculine man with no feelings going to war. Right. And, you know, showing affection and being around as a father. It's just changed than it, than, than it was in the 50s. I think that's pretty obvious. Oh, totally. You know. Yeah, if you're if you were a dad in this day and age, uh, the way our dads or a little bit older were kind of the norm, you would have like CPS called on you. You know, oh, for sure. it's just for sure. entirely different. I remember times of like the threats and getting very close to the "I will pull this car over, get you out of the car, and spank your bare bottom." on the side of the road in front of all yeah. the cars. I can just imagine nowadays if somebody was doing that, like how fast basically the SWAT teams would be coming out as somebody is periscoping. Yeah. It's a different day and age too. And and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm candid to talk about everything on here too. Like I, I, uh, I have a daughter, she's three. I've never laid a hand on her. Um, I've been frustrated. And when I grew up, my dad, he was, like I said, he was pretty patient. I had to do some really bad stuff to get spanked or get a belt or anything like that. Uh, my mom was a little quicker on the draw <laughs> around with us. But, uh, you know, and, and I was even talking to this with my band guys and none of us, none of us hit. There's just, it's, it's a different time, different era. It doesn't, there's, to me, it doesn't. There's as many times that I want to shake them and and, and spank them. I I, I don't because yeah. there isn't anything good coming out of that. Um, I always thought when I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna smack the shit out of them because they're gonna deserve it, you know. But now having and being a dad, I I don't believe in that, and I I do believe in having a when dad raises his voice, I want that to be respected. Right. I I um, my wife and I talk about that when we when we discipline. I mean, we got a three year old who's very independent right now, and, mm-hmm. and she's. And I'm and I, I want her to be independent and try different things, but I also wanted to know when she's gone over the line, and I don't want uh, when I do raise my voice for it to to be misunderstood or be disrespected. You know, as a dad, you want that you want that level of respect and yeah. know that, that you're still in charge. You're still dad. Yeah, it's tough. My so my daughter is now well, she's about to be eight, and our son just turned four a couple of weeks ago, and he is. It's so independent and so stubborn and um, he knows what he wants to do and he just does not like hearing no. He doesn't like you telling him that he's not doing the right thing and he fears me. I mean, the way that, you know, we kind of feared my dad when I was young and when my voice gets big, it scares the living tar out of him and he just the problem is that I need to get, I need to find the right decibel range where right. I'm not making him shut down and just start weeping. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, Tim, it's interesting too. And when, when you're younger, there's the fear. And then when you get to an older age in your teens, I remember it, my dad had the silent disappointment and mm-hmm. nothing, nothing cut me deeper than knowing I had messed up coming home and just seeing that look on his face of just complete disappointment in my actions and just being like, oh, I have faith. I mean, I would have loved to have been yelled at, scolded, grounded. Yeah. It struck anything, but it cut so deep knowing that I let uh, let him down because of the, you know, the values and principles that he raised me on. You know, I knew better than that. I mean, I wasn't committing, you know, crimes or anything horrible like that, but you know, I definitely got into some uh into some trouble. But that disappointing look on your father's face, I don't know if there's anything worse. Oh yeah. It's like, and, and even when they say it, you know, I'm just really disappointed. That's not how I raised you or whatever. You're like, Oh my God. Yep. (laughs) What have I done? What have I done? Yeah. Yeah. With, with our mom, she was kind of 
she was she was just overloaded. I mean, I'm I'm the youngest of eight. I don't know if you know oh, that. Wow, no, eight. Holy mackerel. Yeah, and it's kind of a funny story because my my parents couldn't have kids, and this was back. So my my dad was born in 29. My mom was born in 31. So they're even from a further back generation of, you know, as children going through the depression and all of that kind of thing. So anyways, they couldn't have kids. They adopted and they just started getting in a weird adopting train. I, I'm not really sure. My mom is is she likes collecting things so children might have been <laughs> one of those things that she decided to collect so they adopted five kids and then when they were in their very very young 40s like just at 40 out of the blue they had my brother and then a year and a half later also out of the blue they had me and it was like you know that not to say anything I'm not putting in a uh, halo over my head, but we were like total scientific miracles because they had been trying for so long and couldn't. So, I mean, my mom was just, you know, it was good for her to have a strong day with no kids to discipline. And there were days where, you know, it was like, you all can go to your separate rooms and you're all going to wait till your dad gets home. And that was the thing of waiting till our dad got home and how oh, heated yeah. would he be oh yeah it's funny too because i was telling you before my mom with her uh, her comedy uh um amateur career and stuff uh, at a very young age we would we were exposed to i think without my mom really knowing watching like the young rodney Dame, dangerfield's young comedians like r-rated stuff really oh, yeah. bad language at a young young age i think uh, i remember watching I was like five years old, and my mom thought it was Star Wars, and we were watching Alien. And like oh, some, geez. some stuff, you know, a lot of kids probably shouldn't be watching. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, probably shouldn't be, but I and we were always exposed to that at a young, young, young age, and and some serious potty mouth stuff, especially when Andrew Dice Clay. And I remember all that stuff coming out and going to school and doing the nursery rhymes and yeah, yeah, talking about that. But my dad worked. He worked, you know, early and late, and you know that was more on my mom with the discipline about that. But we were. We were very open with that type of stuff. I didn't live in a strict Catholic household where the soap was in your mouth. Mm-hmm. I had that that friendship with my mom, and and uh, the it's been great with music and comedy to share that with uh with my mom and my dad. Andrew Dice Clay was actually my first ever concert that I went to. Oh wow! Yeah. What, um, what year? What year, Dice? Oh God! Uh, so my my second ever concert was Elvis Costello, and he was on the Spike tour. Um, so that would probably be the way I would be able to gauge it out. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it was probably 88, 89. Yeah, I mean, that's when he took off. Yeah, I mean, it was it was shortly, it was just about at the nursery rhymes time. Yeah, and um, that's when comedians were rock stars. I mean, yeah. Sam Kinison. I mean, you have to really thank Rodney Dangerfield for all that because he was he was such the the giver and the godfather of of, uh, of getting all those guys out there. But but Andrew Dice Clay and, and um, Sam Kinison lived like rock stars. Yeah, like real rock stars. It's crazy. I mean, that wasn't even that much after Eddie Murphy. Mm-mm. I mean, he was you know absolutely. I think Delirious. Gosh, I was watching that. And I was probably maybe a freshman in high school at the time. So that was probably very mid 80s, 86 mm-hmm. or something like that. Yep. Such to me, I think the hardest artist to try and be is a stand up comedian. Mm-hmm. I think it's so difficult. And I think the way that the game has changed now, whether it's for musicians and for, um, comedians but with youtube and and social media and these guys worked on bits for decades decades and now at the swipe of a mouse or a fingertip you can get all their jokes or other people's jokes and right just so many more people it's so so difficult to even get your special these days to be a comedian i'm not a comedian i think i'm hilarious i'm not a comedian <laughs> but uh to try and do that type of lifestyle i mean you're going in it's just you with a mic and you have basically drunk people yeah you know who are you know two drink minimums five drink minimums or whatever are getting hammered to to heckle you and you got to make them laugh that is so so difficult yeah exactly. at least with music we can go out there and i'm hoping it's more to heal or have them enjoy sure you get people that want to come out and judge and and heckle you get that with every sort of uh um you know activity or being an artist in any way but being a comedian man whoo 
Yeah. In music, you can bomb and you can you can mess it up, but it's not like when a comedian really bombs or you have that heckler. At least in the, in the music, you can be done like, okay, that was a bad show, but for for a comedian, if it if it hits rock bottom, it can be super bad. Yeah. Well, plus if you start kind of bombing or whatever to turn that room around is so difficult i'm sure to like bring them out of thinking you're just not funny at all yeah um, as opposed to well that song didn't work let's do this yeah. one totally or if we were improvising yeah know, which, which is great with humphreys mcgee because our loyal fans and the people who want us um you know this is funny jake and i were actually talking we were kind of laughing saying I, f- I feel like some of our loyal fans come and want to see us bomb (laughs) they want want us to improv and just watch it just totally derail and have a train wreck and have to stop and you know maybe have a little laugh to it i mean we were we were joking of course but we we thought you know i'm sure there's a handful of the guys who have seen their 200 plus shows that are that are looking for that or searching for that that bomb It's funny how in this world that we live in, and it's, and I find this to be true, that other people enjoy other people's misery mm-hmm. or fail, failing, you know? I, that could be sad in, in some ways, but it's, it's interesting to me. Well, and it's so kind of the way of the news, and now you have everybody who's a news reporter with their phones now. Yeah, yeah. So. And I can, I can tell you that my dad definitely did not raise me to appreciate that or to cheer for other people's uh shortcomings he's always been uh you know always been respect integrity and honesty have always been his three things that i think he's tried to teach the most it's always being uh being a teammate which is very important that I, i learned a lot from growing up playing a lot of sports um when you're on a team you fail together you win together and that that's an important thing to learn a lot of people don't get to play um, team sports. Sometimes they just, I don't know, golf, tennis, or maybe they don't play sports at mm-hmm. all. You don't, you don't really get to learn when you've let the entire team down or someone on that team has, has made the mistake and, and how it's important for you to pick them back up and say, no, this is on all of us. You know, He taught me about all that stuff at a, at a pretty early age, which I think is extremely important for younger, younger kids to learn through sports, but also through music. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do that going out there nightly. If one guy's having a bad night, you you compliment him and say, hey, man, don't worry about it. Pick yourself back up. You've got five other guys out there killing it right now, and this is good. Nobody's nobody's Kobe Bryant and walking off the, the, the stage early. You know, that's, yeah. you know I'm not, I don't want to pull a Hoosiers and be like, my team is on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, that, that's serious stuff, and I, I thank my father for that, coaching and teaching me that at a young age. We'll definitely come back around to that because I think that there's, I've always kind of seen the, I've probably started to write a blog post five to 10 times tying in, and and I've always thought it would be a great magazine article, tying in your band and sports because it's just how, how much you guys are all into sports and how much, I mean, Umble obviously is a, um, is a product of that, but, uh, how much you guys all appreciate sports and love sports and how important that exactly what you were just talking about, that kind of team aspect to you guys as you're playing. And even, even as you're not playing in the quote unquote off season in between tours or whatever, uh, I think is so evident when you look at that and I think that that helps you guys not only with your success, but with that kind of, you can tell in sports too, when guys just aren't having fun and when they're just playing for the money, you know, there's always been for me that cut and dry difference between college basketball and NBA basketball. Yeah. And you've got the guys who a lot of times are, phoning it in and are getting their paycheck and they're excited about that and they've got their cars and their cribs. But in college basketball, that team uh, is so much more important and you can tell how different the difference is, how different the difference is uh, between professional and collegiate sports at that Absolute. 
Absolutely. And, and uh, I'm not a big basketball fan. I do wear basketball jerseys because I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and mm-hmm. it's so hot that yeah. I just, uh, you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, I didn't have a basketball team, but my dad liked the Celtics, so I was a big Larry Bird fan. Mm. Um, but uh, I remember Michael Jordan having a great quote, and I can do sports analogies with music all day. We could do a two-hour podcast of doing that. Joel and I just do that all the time. I'm sure. Um, one, of, uh, one of Michael Jordan's quotes was, and, I, and we remind each other in the band of this every night, is like, hey, we might lose this game or be losing this game or going out there, but somewhere out there, there's a 12-year-old kid who's coming to see Michael Jordan for the first time, and I'm going to show him Michael Jordan. You know, I'm going to go out there and give it my all, mm-hmm. no matter what. And that's the same thing we say to each other, especially when someone's having a bad day or, or you know, ready to phone it in or it's been a, a rigorous month or something. You get out there and you'd be like, listen, somebody, somebody out there is a fan of Ryan Stasek and he wants to see him play bass. And I need to remember when I go out and put my foot on that stage and it's go time, I'm making music. I'm blessed to be able to make music for a living. And somebody out there is going to be stoked that I'm giving it my all. And I hope that they go home being like, damn, that guy was a badass. Yeah. That was awesome. You know, so that's, that's rewarding to us. And then my other sports analogy, which, which Joel and I joke about, is, is we, don't, we don't have a season. You know, at the end of the year, there's not a Super Bowl trophy for us to hoist because we played the best year of shows right. against another band. That's why I always uh, really interesting to me when, when the internet became such a, a popular, I almost want to say uh, an easy way for cowards to hide behind keyboards and talk shit. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, you know, you're, you're young and you want to please everybody and you go out and you play these shows and you go on, you read it. And it's not easy, especially if you didn't grow up with sports to be criticized and have people talking smack about you, especially when they cross the line and get personal. But you're like, man, I just play music. Why are these people hating? Why is there so much hate? Well, because it's so easy to do. Yeah. To do on a, on a, on a keyboard. You go, it's just like in uh, high school hockey. People were, were fighting so much that they said, okay, if you guys want to fight, take off your helmets, take off your gloves, and then you can keep your jaunt. And you know what? People stopped talking smack to each other because nobody wants to get punched in the face. It yeah. hurts. I've been punched in the face. I know it hurts. So that was always interesting to me. I was like, why are people saying, oh, string cheese is the best. Umphreys, they suck. They're terrible. Oh, I love fish. I hate the Grateful Dead. I was like, who cares who you hate? This isn't a competition. It's not the, it's not the Pirates or it's not the Cubs and the Cardinals. Yeah. Nobody gets a trophy at the end of the year. Nobody gets a, you know, like it's music. Everybody should love it. It should be for healing. It's not, but everybody wants to be a critic and a, and a, and a media person these days, like, like you said, you know? Yeah. You get your 140 characters and everybody thinks people give a shit what you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I remember one of the shows when I was talking with you guys and I was telling Joel a story about uh, the Bort. And I remember like almost all the guys in the band kind of rolling their eyes right when I said that. And yeah. I don't know if it was because of that, but basically I, I used to visit the Bort like once every year to get everybody's votes on show of the year. And I would go through that and like kind of cross-reference everything. And that would be my choice for, okay, I'm going to buy these five shows this year or these 10 shows. And, you know, I can't even, I, I got sucked into the Reddit hole for about five minutes um, recently when I was kind of looking up stuff on Bob Ruff actually. And, oh, I, I felt sick. Like it just yeah. is so disgusting to me, like the negativity and everything. And I, I just had to turn it off. Like I just can't take that stuff. I'm glad you brought that up because this going to my next Ryan Stasek rant. Um, I have not been on the board for at least over six years, seven years. All of us kind of had to take a, a step back and, and just be like, listen, you can't please them all. Yeah. I mean, my mom, my mom, quoted that to me all the time and at a, at a, a very young age to help me with my individuality and stuff that I would choose to do. She's like, listen, they're not buying your clothes. I can swear in here, right? Yes. She goes, they're not buying your clothes. Fuck them. I was like, yeah, you're right. Why should I give a shit what any of these people think if I, if it makes me happy? And uh, I've always been very confident in that era. And, and but, but there was two, two, got to a point where in the band it was causing problems. We're like, listen, 
we play what makes us happy and what we think is quality and what is good. If people are going to rip us on it, we don't need to waste our time to go on there and read about it. Because no matter who you are, you you know you can act like you're made of armor. You got feelings under there, and it's gonna there's gonna put some chinks in your armor. You're gonna get upset. Mm-hmm. It just happens to everybody. So we just avoid it, which really helps. But part of my uh, my New Year's resolution this year, my being a dad, what's important to me. I travel a lot, and I see, and I'm not judging anybody. This is just my own personal. Uh, testimony my own personal choices i quit social media twitter and instagram and facebook and and all of them for the entire year this year for my own reasons i'm not judging anybody i think social media is great for a lot of uh, useful outlets for a lot of uh, purposes i mean joel is our social media guy he mm-hmm. uses twitter for his news to get uh, uh he just uses it for everything and for me having a daughter and being on the road for half the year when i come home I found myself at sometimes nonsensically flipping through Instagram to catch up just so I hadn't missed anything. Right. Looking at people's food and what it's just stupid shit that I don't care about. <laughs> no offense. I mean, I, I just don't I just don't care. And I and I told myself that if I'm at home, how much time am I prioritizing in just even being on my phone, period, and not being there for my child and for my wife. Mm-hmm. And it's become such an addiction. When I travel, I used to get beers at airports. It's almost impossible to sit down and have a beer and have the guy next to you, you know, start up a conversation or, or talk to the people on a plane because everybody has their beaks and their phones yeah. and their headphones on. And I'm, like I said, I'm okay with that. That's, that's okay with me to do that. I, I choose not to do it. And I'm, it, it's been really, really easy for me not to try and get stuck. I deleted all the apps, so I don't find myself trying to be like, oh, I got to go on there, I got to go on there. Yeah. One of the best things that happened for it is when I did this West Coast run, because I'm not on Facebook or Instagram, I don't know what's going on in, in a lot of my friends' lives that I would normally know because of status updates. And I actually had a cup of coffee or a beer with friends. I was like, holy shit, that's going on with you? This is fantastic. This is great news. And then I tell them what's going on with my life. And, and we had old school conversations about our lives that just isn't always presented on a social media platform where, where you know it. And with kids, there's such a, a scary time now with, with screen time. And, and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm all about it when you need to do it. I mean, if I'm traveling on an airplane with a child going across the country, she wants to be on an iPad and watch a movie. Please, it's better than her yeah. having an exorcism and me buying drinks for the entire row on the plane, you know? So I get it. There's a time and a place for it. But I've, I've, I've really been excited to come home and be able to put my phone away. I mean, I use it. I use it probably more on DraftKings and stuff now that I don't have any social media, so I've been betting on sports. But, but I still put it away so I'm home. And I want to be the dad when I'm home. I'm not, um, you know, ignoring my child while she's asking me to watch her do something or play a song with her or something because I'm too busy scrolling through my damn phone. Yeah. That's really important to me. So I, I, it's, what is it, August now? It's been eight months. It's, been, it's really been no problem. I'll probably get back on it um, next year as there are some useful things um, that I found that, I, that I'm missing out on. But as far as uh, being able to stay off it, it's, it's, it's been pretty easy. Yeah, I was going to ask you because I, I, I know it was a very visible difference the excommunication of of Stasek on all uh, social medias, and I know it's it's funny too because they, you know, they come and go. I remember, I think you and I kind of fell into Vine around the same time, yeah. and that was fun. Yeah, Vine was pretty interesting, and I w- I was going to bring that up too with with regards to comedians because that's one of those other things that you know there are people who became vine famous and whether it's comedians or singers or whatever um but i was going to ask you if that had been a purely parental choice and if it was more so out of that drive to be more present to be more uh active with your family uh with your daughter or if it was a little bit in the personal like i'm out there there are a lot of people who have access and want access to me. I now have a daughter. Is that a something that you were thinking about before and that you will oh, go yeah. into differently when you get back? 
Um, absolutely. I, and I think you've touched on all of those and it's a, it's a few more things too. I also found out when I come home, um, you were, you made a comment before about an off season and there really is no off season for, for Umphreys. Yeah. We, we do take vacations and there's times where I'll lay down the base and went to it. But I was, and I was saying to myself, how, how many minutes of the day or hopefully not hours of the day, am I on the phone where I could have a base in my hand? practicing or I could be, you know, working on, I'm getting, you know, I'm going to be 40 this year doing some physical fitness. My, my wife loves to work out and I need to get back into that. So I was like, why am I wasting time doing this when this is more important to mm-hmm. me? Being with my child, being outside, um, playing the bass, making music, uh, being more health conscious, you know, or, or not health conscious, having a beer with some friends. You yeah, know, that's yeah. more important to me than, than um, and, I, and I'll admit too, man, I'm a very, I'm a very narcissistic social media user. Like I, my wife told me, I didn't even know there was a news feed on Facebook. I would always just look at my own page and, you know, read comments and do something. I was like, Oh wait, you mean everybody's stuff is on here? I didn't, I I don't really care. (laughs) There's other people on Facebook. I'm I'm half joking. (laughs) I know. But, uh, you know, when I come back, I think it's going to be more for, uh, you touched on something that interesting too, which is I do have a daughter and there are a lot of weirdos out there. And there's definitely safety precautions you need to think about and take seriously. Um, my wife is is uh, you know as a mom, you know she's she's more aware of that and everything too, and letting me know. So I don't know. I, I found it to be a little weird. I don't want to know or to let everyone in the world know where I am, what I'm doing exactly right. when it's happening. I don't want people to know that I'm out of town for two weeks and and my house is empty and yeah. I have a bass guitar here that someone could come steal or something like that. that's i don't that that's my privacy and you know i have security so if anybody's thinking about that it's not gonna happen <laughs> and, and just but, so you know if those two yeah. weeks do come up <laughs> i do i got a good alarm system <laughs> but you know i, I mean when, when i get back into it um uh we'll we'll see i'll take it i'll take it day by day and and, and see see what, what what happens with it I, I think instagram might be the one that i go back because um that seems to be the, the most interesting to me yeah it's 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 also helpful that they made it a little bit easier to switch through accounts. It's a sensitive time now too, where you you have to be careful. Like I, before I had a daughter, I like I said, I think I'm hilarious, and sometimes that hilarity doesn't translate to everyone else. That right, often right. Happens. You end up finding that, and and it's scary to think that there's a digital footprint of everything that you post, say, and do. So that was another reason why I almost wanted to uh, to get off for a year. Um, for example, I thought it would be hilarious to do a two week Instagram segment talking about, you know, uh, a wonderful prose written about the food that I had eaten. And instead of taking a picture of the food, I would take a picture of my shit after oh, I was geez. done. Like, there it is after. And I did it. And I did it. And I think I got a, a bad backlash. I thought it was freaking hilarious. <laughs> I think there was a small handful of people that did as well. But, um, after I thought about it, people were like, unfollow, this is disgusting. Why would you do that? Yeah. You know, I was like, well, why do you post pictures of your lunch? I don't give a shit what you ate for your lunch. I think right. it's a little more interesting. You can see how my digestive system is working. There's a little bit of science to this one. But uh, after I did it, I was like, you know, maybe my daughter, when she's 13, doesn't need to flip through and say, wow, my dad was posting pictures of his shit. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, it's not, I don't know if, that, if I'm winning in that category. So I, I yeah. kind of took, I think, uh, saving my jokes more for uh, over a gin cocktail with friends. You know, not yeah. something that's going to be a footprint, a digital footprint for some, somebody to go back and look on and go, you know, that wasn't that funny. And Ryan, you're not a stand-up comedian, so you really can't <laughs> get away with the things you think you can. Yeah, you got to give those ideas to somebody else. <laughs> so when was it that you actually met your wife? Um, Mary Welch and I actually met. It's a horrible segue, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> pictures of my feces yes. how to meet your wife that was a per- perfect segue uh. um, the, we we briefly met at a pool at the marriott at red rocks and um i was dating a girl and she was dating a guy and i i was inebriated and I remember her walking by and somebody said uh or i said who's that and they said that's mary welch fox and I was like, what? what? Are you kidding me? Her name is Mary Welch Fox. You know, and we, had, and we were friends for years before we even started dating. We started dating in 2008 and um, got serious in 2009, engaged in 2010, married in 11, pregnant in 12, daughter in 13. And we're having our five-year anniversary this November after my 40th. 
Wow, that's perfect. Congratulations. Thank you. And you were just saying that Brendan just turned 40. Are you guys are pretty much, sorry, Joel, aside from Joel, are about the same age, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake, Joel, and Brendan are now in their 40s. Um, myself, Chris, and Andy are in our late 30s. Oh, okay. Um, the youngsters. And for those of you who don't know the band, um, I'm making that joke based on a, a long-running inside joke on Joel. So yeah. I'm not being... Um, a uh, quick quick story, and I, and I apologize ahead of time that it does have to do with fecal matter again, but this is a true story. <laughs> I know story. you wanted to talk about my wife, but I'm just going to bring it back. <laughs> just going to go back to poop. Um, we played Brendan's birthday at Higher Ground in Burlington, Vermont. Yes. And um, a female fan, yes, a female fan, I don't know if she was moved by my low bass, if I actually hit the brown note. But she had an accident on the dance floor. No way. Do you believe this? I'm not making this up. I'm wow. not making this up. The cops, much to their uh, shit grin, had to <laughs> escort her. And what I can't believe is that they cleaned it up that quick. I don't know who the low man on the totem pole was for that, but I would have quit. I would have quit. Yeah, I'm uh, done somebody here. Somebody had to do that, and then people still stuck around. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but whoo. How early was that in the show? I, I don't know. I don't know. I got the text from the uh, from the manager, and he sent it to, to me the next day. I was like, wow, that is interesting. I don't know if it has anything to do with Brendan's 40th birthday, but that's definitely never happened to our knowledge at an Umphrey show before. <laughs> is that kind of like the um, paying up for your beers at the end of the show tab, you guys? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm. I think I'm proud, man. I'm gonna say it was the brown note that my bass was hitting. I think I had something to do with it. Those are some um, massive bombs that you yeah. definitely want to make sure that you tell people. I'll be like, oh yeah. Well, I uh, I hit a note so low, I made a girl take a shit. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are now heading closer to the school phase with your child. Um, is she in preschool now? Yeah, actually, my daughter is in Montessori school. Okay, She's, she started last year at uh, at age two. She she just had her first day yesterday. I had a really proud dad moment. You know, I came home, I flew home yesterday from Syracuse. Um, we had a we had a, a very hot outdoor show run. You know, like 106 degrees is what it felt like the whole tour. So, yeah. came home, was pretty tired, pretty beat. I picked her up from her first day of school. She was so stoked. I took her swimming. And uh, my wife, uh, God bless her, who's been working this whole week too, was, was tired. She's like, "Listen, this is your your duty tonight. You got to get her in bed. You got to get her down. It's been a nightmare this week." So um, we got in the room, and it was story time and time to hang out. And I could tell that she didn't want to go to bed. And I was I was trying to see how I was going to pull this dad move off without her uh, crying or throwing a fit. And she was cracking me up. I mean, being gone for those four days, I felt like I'd been gone for four months, but mm-hmm. she was hysterical. And she's like, Daddy, Daddy, I, got, I, got, I want to play a song for you. So she went over to her little mini electric piano, and she goes, this, this is a gift for you. I'm like, it's a gift? She's like, yeah, I wrote you a song. I'm like, you did? What's it called? She's like, um, Star Wars. I'm like, okay, can you play it? And she plays it, and she's just you know pounding on the keys, being like, Star Wars, Star Wars, someone gets sad. And I am just dying <laughs> laughing over here, I can, I can't stop I'm like, I can't put her in bed right now. This is too good. I mean, my yeah. daughter's writing songs and just in that full make-believe and imagination um, this, at this age with three, which is so awesome to me. It makes me feel so so good, so proud. And, and she's on a huge Kung Fu Panda kick. Um, but, I, you know, she knows she's not allowed to practice it on people, not allowed to hit anybody. Uh-huh. So we were, we were learning Kung Fu moves, and um, I was trying to – try to persuade her into calming her down with like deep breaths and, and Zen. <laughs> and it worked. I finally got her off the piano, did some Kung Fu and then she laid down and, you know, we have our, our nightly, uh, you are my sunshine. She gets two you are my sunshine songs. That's her jam. Nice. And got her to stay in bed and go to bed. But as a, as a musician father to have your daughter making up improv songs and singing, that was just, a, it was a highlight. I was, nice. you know, I'm so proud. Nice. So how how tough was that transition? I mean, knowing that you'd already kind of seen other guys in the band do it, but how difficult was that for you going from within the span of 
well, even though you'd already been with Mary Welch for a, a year or so, but those years of being not saying that you were runaround guy in a band, but you know, you're single in a band, married in a band, uh, and now with child in a band, did it change everything? And for you guys in general, now that there are so many kids, is there a time, was there a time that it was like, okay, we need to kind of plan this out a little bit differently when we tour and. Oh, absolutely. 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 And that goes back to when we opened this uh, podcast, when I was talking about Paul Tompkins, that comedian, mustache comedian, you know, when, when you become a dad, that cliche, it's all about the kid. And it, it, I mean, it is, it really is. So when you're out on the road and, you know, there's a different perspective as a father, when you say, Hey, this is my bread and butter. This is my job. This is how I make money. This is how I spend my time. This is how I'm going to balance my time. This is how I'm going to take care of my health. Um, You know, I, I'm, I'd, I'd be bullshitting you if I said we didn't hit it pretty hard in the younger days. And you just, as as a as a responsible dad and as a parent, and knowing that when I want to come home, when I said before, I don't want to be on the phone, I want to be there. I don't want to come home so hungover that my Monday is shades down and I sleep the entire day. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it used to be. I used to come home, I'd put the shades down, I'd order some Chicago's pizza, and I wouldn't. I would sleep the entire day just to just to get back to feeling normal. And now, you know, we have like a dad role the day before. I don't even really, I don't even drink. Just get ready to uh, to come home and be fully aware and fully there and, and, and on point. So, you know, we've talked about the scheduling and, and the way we travel to balance. We've always done it differently with Umphreys McGee from the beginning. We've never been that rock band that says, hey, you have a record, go out for three months, stay on the road, kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. That just it doesn't work for us. Right. A, we tried it once and we all wanted to murder each other. And, uh, and B, you need to have that separation. And my wife and I even love that separation. There's times when I'm home too much. He's like, will you fucking go back on the road so I can get some mm-hmm. shit done? You know? So th- th- we've, we've, uh, we've always been open with our communication with what works for each guy. And we've always been family and dads matter. You know, not, they're not more important than another band member, but the, those, those are they're highly valued and, and, and worked around to make sure that all of that is working. Because yeah. all of our all of our kids and wives are extension of the Humphreys family, and we take that very seriously. And um, you know, we take care of our crew. We take you know, we're, we're very proud of that about our our band. Um, yeah. Not everybody's a, a practicing Catholic, but most of us were raised Catholic. And I think that um, one strong value that we came came out from being raised like that is is the uh, is the open open minded and, and communication like those retreats, talking to each other, putting your feelings out there so you understand where everybody's coming from and you're able to, you know, be democratic and say, okay, he needs this time off here. This isn't going to work here. We can't go that hard like this. And 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 a lot of that's being centered around being a dad. Yeah. And do you guys kind of gear up together for like all family, all kid kind of show moments together? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Dominican holidays is, is one of them that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, I could see how a young 22-year-old single dude who's coming down there wouldn't, you know, his his existence and, and how what he's going to do down there is way other end of the spectrum of how I'm spending my time there. You know, not only am I working and having gigs, but I have my family and child. And um, for us, it's fantastic because we're all on the beach. We're all at a resort. There's a pool, there's an ocean, all the other bands are there with their children. So all the other people who work in the same business, we're all able to get together and see what each other's dads and, and uncles do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's really special. Um, down in Charleston, when we do our Chucktown Ball, a lot of the guys from Chicago will bring their families and we'll rent houses out on the beach because it's like, it's like a vacation. It's fantastic. And that's another great time for the kids to get together and hang out with each other. Unfortunately, we don't get to... Uh, like Amelia doesn't get to hang out with um, Jake and Brendan's kids as, as often as we would like to because they're in Chicago and South Bend. But but um, the times that we do get to do it, it's extremely special. That's, that's so awesome. Just fast forwarding ahead, thinking ahead to all of their years down the road of having not only this friendship that they have with each other, but coming back together to see those people, you know, as they are whatever, yeah. 10 years old, young teenagers. I'm yeah, well, kind of playing you guys into your 60s now. 
we'll see we'll see how it goes from there because right now they have the the reverence they're like they're so proud they're like oh my god daddy's on stage mm-hmm. i'm sure as they get older they're, at some point it's not going to be cool right 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 <laughs> i'm looking forward to to seeing like when we hit the mark when uh it's like yeah that's not cool actually it's a funny story i was in aruba last year with my wife and daughter and we were um at a an outside bar and there was a band playing and um these young girls were dancing on the dance floor and we were just off the side on the sand and my daughter wanted to go up and dance with them they were probably college college age girls mm-hmm. so my daughter was dancing with them to this killer band this band was great great bass player and Mary Welch and I, when we finished our meal, tried to come up on the dance floor and dance with our child, and she immediately kicked us off. We were like, what? You're only two and a half, and we're already not cool? I expected like a 10-year buffer before yeah. daddy and mom weren't cool. I was like, come on. you know. And Mary Welch and I would like to think that we're pretty cool, and that she just shot us down. She's like, no, no. And she went and hung out with these college girls. It was hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, all right, well, I think we basically went around the rosy of the dad grouping here and you know talked plenty about shit in toilets as well <laughs> i apologize no i don't no i don't <laughs> no 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 so thank you again for being on um we will uh wrap this one up and then we'll go into another episode that i'm sure you guys will definitely want to listen to uh i can't really give you I, it'll probably be a week or so after this one is released but um the fork in the road with ryan will definitely be something worth listening to so thanks again ryan thank you appreciate it I hope you enjoyed that uh, episode with myself and Ryan that went to some very interesting places that I wasn't really expecting it to go, but that's kind of the way it is when you are having an open discussion with Ryan. He's a great guy. I really enjoy talking with him every chance that we do get to talk with each other, and this was obviously a little window into one of those kind of conversations which had its purpose and its point for this podcast, obviously. But you can, well, I would say that you normally can find Ryan on his various social media outlets, but he isn't really using them this year, so he should be back. I think his Instagram, well, I'm not even going to go into it. You'll have to find him after next year, Ryan Stasik, S-T-A-S-I-K, and he will be on those things maybe starting next year again. But you can find him touring around and playing his bass in magnificent ways with his band Humphreys McGee I will tell you that they are a prog rock kind of band they fit in the jam band scene quote unquote uh, because they basically are completely improvisational mainly during their shows they have songs that is not just them doing full on improv but they are in Uh, improvisational jam band when they play and they rock very hard this is not your mama's jam band well maybe it is but uh, they will melt faces and they are darn good at it i'll say damned they are damned good at it i put the little e on this episode for a very good reason but they are really good at that and i hope that some of you become new fans Uh, i know that they are very big with myself, my wife, a bunch of my friends, my brother. And this is, again, not my mom's jam band either. I don't think my mom has a jam band. That would probably be Dizzy Gillespie. So anyways, you can find the podcast on daddyunscripted.com is where the original blog is as well with some of the older posts. You can find us, if you didn't already, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, And I would love for you guys to subscribe, leave a review, uh, leave a rating on there. You can send an email to me at daddyunscripted at gmail.com with any additional comments you want to make, things you would like to see in the show, in our progression, um, guests you would love for me to have on that could even be you or your husband or your dad or somebody specifically that is somebody I may not be able to get a hold of. Uh, You'll hear in our next episode that Ryan suggests 
Jim Gaffigan as my next guest, and I would love to get Jim Gaffigan on, so if any of you know him, this is the perfect podcast for him, right? So anyway, thanks again for your participation, for listening. I really appreciate all of the support and everything, and we will continue to move on and talk to more people about being dads. So a little late addendum to this episode as this is one of the first episodes to be graced with the music of Umphreys McGee on it. I kind of put a little pause in episode releases. I had a couple that were pretty much done editing, but I wanted to work that agreement out with the management of Umphreys McGee. So huge, huge thanks to Umphreys McGee for allowing uh, that partnership to take place with the podcast so that we could have their music on here. I think that adds a ton to the production value here. And obviously, much better uh, music than the royalty-free stuff that I was using. No offense to those musicians. And uh, this just worked perfect timing for the Stasic episodes to be able to include the music of his band. It's kind of a no-brainer, right? So I'm glad that that was able to happen. Uh, Big thanks to the band and huge thanks to KB for allowing that to happen again. Like I said, you should definitely check them out when they are in your area. And you can also find their new album in November, their first mashup studio album coming out called Zonky that you'll be able to find on iTunes and Spotify, as well as pre-ordering off of their website. going to be very cool. And stay tuned. Keep your eye out for the Fork in the Road episode with Ryan, where we talk a lot about uh, music and sports, pretty much, and his history with both and what they mean to him. So thanks again. Thanks again.